Hey, bitches. Hey, bitches. Welcome back to Eerie Thoughts. This is episode 10. Episode 10. And shout out to Canada and Australia. We got our first international visitors. We're so excited. We love you guys. If you are in Canada or Australia and you are listening to this, send us an email at eeriethoughtspod at gmail.com. We want to hear from you. Yes, please. We need to know how you found us and what you think. Only if it's good, though. Only if it's good. If it's bad, just don't email. (laughs) Except um, we are expecting, I don't know if you know this, Sam, but we are expecting our first hate mail, our first hate email from Bobby. Bobby! (laughs) Why? I told him if he sends one, I'll read it on the show (laughs) so he is supposed to and expected to send one love him (laughs) we have to start crying like fake crying when we read it i will i can make myself cry (laughs) i'll do that that whole thing where i'm like scream crying wailing throwing a full body tantrum on the floor like you know the tiktok videos you see of like point of view you caught him cheating (laughs) (laughs) and i'm just gonna be sitting there uncomfortably (laughs) what is you doing you're gonna be typing the next hate email specifically for me anonymously (laughs) this bitch is she needs to be she needs to go to her cage 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 bitch oh my goodness oh baker no you don't got to Baker, come here. She wasn't talking to you. What? Oh. <laughs> oh no. Yeah, he's looking at me like, I'm sorry. I'm a good boy. Oh. So, so I'm gonna go first today. Yeah. Um huge trigger warnings for my story. Like, I almost did not cover this but i feel like it needs to be covered because this was actually very recent and somewhat local to us but i had never heard of it um trigger warnings uh rape incest child abuse yuck sexual assault um Pretty much anything imaginable with this family. And from what you've told me, we're probably going to be roasting this woman. I absolutely will be. So if you are offended by that, I know I realize that we do that frequently when we think somebody is not a not so good person. If you're offended by that, we are sorry to you, but we're going to do it. I will 100,000% always bully a bully. And we are only doing that because we think they're a piece of shit. Yes. If she were a nice lady, we would never say these things. No, we we would love her, but... Yeah. This... Again, our opinions, strictly yes um but i think after i go over this story we're all going to have the same opinion and i want to throw in there that 
all of these these things are supposedly alleged, right? Because we have to remember, in the eyes of the law, there was not enough to charge her with anything. Okay. Except obstruction of justice and, like, lying to the cops and stuff. Gotcha. But, so I'm going to be covering the murder of Vera Jo Regal. Um, again, pretty much any trigger warning you can think of in this case. Yeah, if you don't want to hear about this stuff, you can skip to my case. It will be somewhat lighter. There's a lot to unpack in this. It's probably going to be a pretty long, long-ish episode. Just because they're pieces of shit. What happened to Vera? There's not a single reason on earth that anybody should have gone through what she gone through but we'll get into it are you ready i am so ready are you doing uppies right now i can see you doing i uppies. am i i got nervous <laughs> <laughs> nervous energy has to escape through your arms up. all right um, <laughs> let me <laughs> up I'm... i haven't even started and i'm already sweating also we both have duncan so <laughs> yes it, it might get not during this case but at some point in this episode, it might get a little silly. Yes. It probably will. I have Hopefully. not slept since probably, like, yesterday morning, I think. Well, yeah. 11-ish, I think I woke up. Yeah. 11 yesterday, but... And I had four hours of sleep last night, so... And it's only noon now, so... <laughs> a, a girl is eepy. Yeah. All right. So finley ohio are you familiar with that um i've heard of it i could not tell you where it is it's like 45 minutes south of toledo um known as flag city tons of oh. flags up there interesting patriotic. patriotic we love her um go finley yes um the city's known for its landscapes and natural beauty but as per usual, every town has, you know, that one section of town or specifically that one family that everyone's like, oh, stay the fuck away from them. Yeah. In my city, I feel like I don't know about specific families, but we have my basically my city is that section of town. Oh, I love that for you. M minus where I live. I live in a pretty good area, but. um, The Brooks family was known to law enforcement and family services since sherry was a baby which so brings us is sherry our main character sherry is the mastermind behind okay. everything she was born so sherry brooks was born november 3rd 1962 in fostoria ohio to charlotte and charles uh charlotte bixler i think it was yeah Char charlotte bixler and charles uh emmons up until she was three years old her and her siblings constantly witnessed her dad beat her mom oh that's so we're starting out strong yes we're off to a great start sarcasm yes she was also a victim to sexual abuse by her father 
at three years old. Oh, my God. Well, I should say by the time she was three years old. Um, so, leading up to being three. Yes. At the age of three, her and her siblings were placed in foster care, and they were bounced around from foster families to orphanages. However, in 1978, her parents divorced, and somehow Sherry ended up back with her dad. Voluntarily. Like, she wanted to be back there with them. Were charges ever filed on the sexual assault? Yes. I don't see how that is possible, but... I... I... But not that's insane. Um, also, this... This story... I don't want to, like, go after the system whatsoever, but... I mean, I do, but... I you know what I mean <laughs> don't come for me this story shows a lot of issues within the system and I think we're all aware of the issue or the system is flawed like we, yes we can all yes. agree on that yeah so it sounds like we're about to really find out how how flawed it is yes there's a lot to again a lot to unpack um so her dad charles mind you again sexually abused her gave her the nickname sugar babe ew which to this day she still goes by that's she, really disgusting to me she, <laughs> just wait so in 1978 when her parents divorced she was 16 and she returned with her dad there was a problem According to Charlotte, who's Sherry's mom, uh, Sherry had told her that she had a baby while she was in the foster system. However, she said that the foster system would not let her keep the baby. Sherry had a baby? Yes. Okay. According to Sherry, her mother hounded her until she admitted to having a baby. In both accounts, her, her mom, Charlotte, wanted that baby. However, come to find out, according to Sherry's caseworker, um, she never actually had a baby. It was another baby that was placed in the foster home. But this was just starting off Sherry trying to claim kids that weren't hers. Sandy informed her that she never actually had a baby and that Sherry had become, quote, a habitual liar. So just hang on to that. At 16 years old, caseworker was calling her a habitual liar. I don't think you're going to let me forget about that. No. Something, something tells me. Um, she also stated that uh, Sherry tends to live in a fantasy world. She went on to say that whatever Sherry wants to believe, she decides is reality. So she'll constantly like make up these lies and keep repeating them. Because she thinks that's what actually happened. She, like, convinces herself. Maybe you'll get into this at some point. Maybe not. But do we get to know, like, any, I guess, anything about her mental state? Like, is she diagnosed with anything? Like, I would be really interested to hear the psychology behind that, I guess. I don't, not that I could find that she was diagnosed with anything. I think it was just... I think it was just her wanting things to basically acting like a spoiled brat. Yeah. She wants things her way, whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, 
a lot of the sources that I've read, and there's also a documentary that I'm going to link, but I'll get back to that documentary because we'll go over it. Okay. Uh, but a lot of the sources compared her to Charles Manson. Oh, they said, lovely. They said she is the female Charles Manson. Great. I can't wait to hear it. Um, And they also call her uh, the mother or the matriarch of murder. Oh, no. So, yeah. We'll, again, we'll, we'll get there. Okay. Sherry had a large extended family um, who she was always around even during her time in foster care. <sighs> Trigger warnings. Again, all of them. On the extended family? Yes. Her cousin on her mother's side, Daniel Bixler, was just two years older than her. And at some point, the two had begun a sexual relationship. relationship. What? Oh. Oh, no. Um, both sides of the family were aware and accepting of the relationship. And everybody in the family, even around town, called them the kissing cousins. That's so disgusting and, and grody. I, I'm going to keep referring back to the documentary that I'm going to link in the show notes. If you watch it, there's so much detail that I'm not going to say because I'm not comfortable saying it. Just be prepared. I guess if you want those details, you, you'll it. link that. Yeah. You yeah. can go watch that and get the full, the full picture. Um, but in the documentary, you know, she was, Sherry was just like joking around about it. Yeah, they called us the kissing cousins. Like she took pride in that. The way you could not waterboard that out of me. Uh, the, oh, truly. I mean, I would never do that in the first place. Honestly, but, yeah. I mean, why? Yeah, I don't know. Yuck. So, on August 9th, 1981, Sherry gave birth to their child, Scotty. Her she's, and Daniels. She's how old at this point? She would have been... 16, 16. 18-ish, 19-ish. Oh, okay. With her cousin. Yes. Um, that year, the couple lost custody of the baby boy after allegations of sexual abuse um, committed by Sherry were brought to light. Oh, yuck. To the, the, to the kid, the, I'm assuming, right? Yes. She performed a sexual act on her infant son. Yes. Um, so, and then get this. She lost custody... But the baby was given to his grandmother, Charlotte. Charlotte is Sherry's mom mm -hmm. who lost custody of her three kids for sexual abuse. For Charlotte sexually abusing abusing her kids. Well, she was no she knew Oh yeah. Yeah. She knew of the dad or whatever. So you're taking this infant son out of a sexual abusive relationship. And then putting him right back to where it all fucking started. Yeah, where this is known because the kids were taken away from her. Yeah. She was found to be unfit to have her children, but let's give her some, her grandchild, yes. somebody else's child. Yeah. And that's, you know, I made a note that how the system allowed that is beyond me. Yeah. But whatever. Um, sometime in the following months, Sherry met Mike Maloney. And the two married on March 5th, 1982. Not Mike Baloney. <laughs> okay. 
on August 19th, 1983, Sherry gave birth to her second son, Joshua. Sounds like she needs to stop having kids. Due to the circumstances surrounding baby Scotty, uh, Hancock County Children's Services stepped in immediately. Um, Sherry and Mike were to be supervised for the safety and care of the baby boy. They moved into a trailer and it was reportedly, quote, filthy and unsanitary, end quote. Though Sherry was eligible for WIC. Do you know what WIC is? Yeah. Um, she was eligible for the WIC program. She refused to go to any of the mandatory meetings, which I don't I don't get because but she just didn't care it sounds like she, she she really didn't um but if you're unfamiliar with the WIC program it stands for women infants and children's program uh through the county it provides funds for mothers to provide nutritious foods like vegetables fruits milk cheese whatever um to mothers for their infant and children's without without that funding the baby suffered yeah and um, she and I know for programs like that, there are things you have to do in order to qualify for those. Yeah. And I think you go. I don't think there are very extensive things, like hard things that you have to do. I think it's like meetings and. Yeah. You go. It's literally just basically like a checkup. I, and I forget. I think you, you don't even have to go every month. I don't think. I think it's like every few months. Yeah. I'm not. I'm not exactly sure, but um, I know it's not anything crazy. But another thing you're able to get with the WIC program is baby formula. And that is expensive without WIC. And it's something WIC would have paid for. However, since they did not go, they did not get that. Um, that formula. Yeah, that formula. So they just gave the baby regular cow's milk. Which you cannot do um i was gonna say i'm not a parent but i feel like that's yeah no it does not give it's i mean don't get me wrong milk's good for you but it doesn't give you it doesn't give an infant the nutrition yeah is like yeah yeah Um, at least maybe it's better than nothing but yeah joshua's pediatrician informed sherry that milk was dangerous but she did not care Oh, it's dangerous? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Um, It was likely that the milk caused the baby to have stomach issues and made him colicky. And I don't know if you've ever dealt with a colicky baby before. Nonstop crying. I mean, I'm I'm pretty bothered by screaming children, so I can imagine that's less than fun. (laughs) Um, For anyone... Again, for anyone unaware, colicky babies are difficult. Colic often begins suddenly with loud, nonstop crying. The baby can have all of its needs met and continue crying for hours on end. The constant crying and inability to comfort the baby also often leads to high levels of stress and frustration. Um, Because he's got tum-tum problems. Yeah. It was during one particularly stressful night in November 1983 when Mike lost his shit and he ended up slapping the baby in the face. Oh my God. So again, let's see. He was born August. 
September, October. So he was only three months old at this time. Oh my God. Uh, he cursed at the baby and then threw him on the couch. And Sherry just sat in a chair nearby and watched. Fortunately for baby Joshua, another family member was present at the time and reported that incident to Children's Services. One question, Sherry admitted that Mike had slept her, slapped her several times and had slapped Joshua because, quote, he made Mike nervous, end quote. Oh, my God. Sher- and then she admitted to never have intervened to stop him. I'm going to start doing that when somebody makes me nervous. Just start slapping him. Yeah. And, like, as a mother, how you're going to sit back and let, I, I don't care if he's the dad or what, you, do not lay your hand on my infant. Yeah. Use your imagination on what I do. Yeah, I will. <laughs> um, baby Joshua was removed from the home and placed in protective custody on December 9th, 1983 so thank god yes sherry and mike continued to be supervised by children's services perhaps with the hope that they could turn their lives around and take back custody of their baby however they did nothing to change and joshua was permanently committed to protective custody and then luckily he was adopted out and he grew up under another name that's so love that um, Sherry hadn't given up on having children, though, and in 1984, she gave birth to her third son, Michael Jr. Once again, allegations of abuse and neglect were reported, and Michael Jr. was removed from their custody when he was only a few months old. So that's three. That's three that she's lost due to neglect, abuse, etc. In the spring of 1986... Sherry gave birth to her first daughter, Maria. Oh, no. Here we go. Right? uh, Well, I guess here we go about 20 minutes ago, but. With Maria, she was a completely different mother. Oh, really? She was attentive. She was caring. She kept Maria clean, well-fed, and reportedly dressed her in, like, frilly dresses. Um, According to friends and family, Sherry was obsessed with this little girl um things were looking up in the cycle of but the cycle of abuse did not stop around six months after maria was born their neighbors in the same complex verna and willard also had a baby girl who they named vera joe Regal. oh this is our our star right y- yes this is when shit hits she, the fan she, came into their life um on the day before easter 1986 sherry's dad mind you same guy that was sexually abusing sherry called his sister wanda to inform her that they were taking baby maria to the hospital oh great trigger warning the girl was bleeding from her vagina oh my god according to charlotte quote someone had raped our little maria when sherry changed her diaper it was all bloody down there end quote babies you guys do do we know it was the baby's grandpa the sherry's dad right or do we not know 
we don't know um but given the fact that maria was never out of sherry's sight oh okay it it could be either one of them honestly it honestly it might have been both of them who fucking yeah i mean i feel like it probably was but they're both disgusting pieces of shit so yeah um again the system (sighs) that night maria was returned back to the care of her parents how i don't know Sherry was required to make an appointment to see the doctor the next day, and she agreed. And apparently that was enough for them to let Maria go with them. However, the doctor did quickly contact the police about it. Um, That night, Sherry told her mother that she would be able to take baby baby Maria home for the night. Um, Which Charlotte thought was weird because, again, Sherry never let maria out of her sight however charlotte so charlotte took the baby home charlotte took maria home yeah okay however the next morning when the sheriff was knocking on charlotte's door she kind of put two and two together because they were here to get they were there to get maria yeah so she so sherry was like trying to hide maria it sounds like uh, i think sherry yeah sherry was so the sheriff was knocking on Charlotte's door trying to find baby Maria. And by 6 a.m. that morning, Maria had been permanently removed from Sherry's custody. I mean, thank God. Yes. It was never determined whether it was Sherry or Mike or Charles that had sexually assaulted Maria. Um, but again, most suspect it was Sherry since she never let Maria out of her sight. Sherry never saw Maria again, which, thank God. It was reported that Sherry was inconsolable and, quote, never the same after the loss of Maria. So she did what you might expect and had another baby. Oh, my God. Another girl this time. Her name was, guess what her name was? Sherry? Yeah, it was. Shut up. I swear to God. (laughs) Uh, just like baby Maria, Sherry was well cared for, but that didn't end the abuse. And before she was six months old, she was permanently removed from the home. Neither Joshua, Maria, or Sherry ever saw their birth mother again. Thank God. I was going to ask a question, but I think you're probably going to get to it. So I'll wait. Scotty, Scotty comes back. Yeah. Okay. That's what I was going to say. We, we had four and then we had three yes um sherry and mike divorced in 1993 but not before she gave birth to her sixth child on june 6 1991 kevin lee brooks jr aka punky was born sixth child i thought we were at five uh let's see Scotty, Maria, Sherry, Joshua. Hold on, there was one more. I lost my spot. Oh, that might have been my bad. So that's number five. Yeah. My bad. Oh, foreshadowing then, right? Yeah. (laughs) 
altogether she ends up having nine. Oh. Keep them things closed, girl. Especially since they're all getting taken away, you fucking idiot. Yeah, stop having them. Stop <laughs> shitting them out. Like, you would think after, like, I don't know. Even after the first, I shouldn't even say that. The fact that literally every single one has been taken away. Yeah, maybe let's do something about it. They're not kittens. Yeah. But again, we'll get into that. Baby Kevin was the child of Kevin Lee Brooks Sr. Um, It's not known if Sherry and Mike were separated at the time or if Sherry had an affair, but Sherry and Kevin Sr. did eventually wed. Um, Sherry doted on baby kevin again aka punky well he's gonna be known from punky from now on okay um and surprisingly she was allowed to keep him then on june 18th 1992 she gave birth to another baby boy zachary curtis brooks how the fuck is she able to keep these two after she's had four taken away i don't know then on July 26th, 1993, she had Garth Allen Brooks. Stop. <laughs> You're lying. She did not name her kid Garth Brooks. Garth Brooks. Oh, my God. And then in 1997, she gave birth to her last baby. His name is Chuck Alfred Brooks. She retained custody of all four of these boys. Punky had a violent streak and even found himself um, as a member of the Crips gang. I don't know if this was actually like the official Crips or like one of the... Like a branch? Yeah. A pyramid scheme situation? Mm-hmm. Um, it was also known that he was the only one that Sherry was afraid of. So he ruled that house. Despite this, Sherry loved him to death until he was taken from her. But this time, it wasn't by the government. On Sunday, July 4th, 2010, at 9.52 p.m., Hancock County Sheriff's Office responded to a single vehicle pedestrian injury crash. The official police report stated, uh, it was learned that Eric W. Calvin, 32, of Finley was driving a 2007 Saturn northbound on County Road 220. Mr. Kevin L. Brooks Jr., punky, 19 at the time, was walking northbound on uh, County Road 220. Mr. Calvin's vehicle struck Mr. Brooks with the passenger side of the vehicle. Brooks was taken from the scene to uh blanchard valley hospital by ems where he subsequently passed away sherry was notified of the accident about 20 minutes after he had been taken to the hospital but by the time that she and kevin arrived he was already gone which i cannot imagine how how she would have felt again this is the only sympathy I have for her because I could not imagine losing a child. But at the same time, like, I don't know. Do we think she really was, like, hurt and sad by this? Or is it, like, a I like a control thing? Or I don't know. I truly think that she was upset about it just because... Okay. I don't know. 
she seemed to favor punky and maria the most yeah but i guess what i I guess what i'm trying to get at is it is it like she favored them as in like she loved them as her children or is was it like a weird dynamic i don't know it was probably a weird dynamic i don't think she's capable of like a control thing or like a these are like pieces of me so now a piece of me is dead yeah and i do want to note that she uh that kevin was or i'm sorry that punky was walking with his baby mama at the time okay um they were on we'll get into it um sherry wanted revenge and she quickly sought it despite the facts surrounding surrounding the accident that night punky had been walking with his girlfriend heather the couple was out to buy some heroin it's worth noting that sherry did not like heather uh punky and heather had been dating for several years and even had a baby together however it was a baby boy and sherry resented heather for not having a girl i don't think she can control that no you yeah no you can't do that yeah um that night punky happened to be walking closest closest to the street the frightened uh, look on your in your eyes when just, that happened i know <laughs> um when he was hit by the car and sherry believed heather pushed him in front of the car this was again one of those lies that she kept telling herself and she kept telling other people so this was absolutely not the case no no okay. she worked herself up to believe that heather had actually paid the driver to hit and kill her son oh which that sounds like a bit of a stretch uh, to say the very least uh during a memorial gathering at their home sherry spotted heather and quickly leaned over to marcy who was another one of their relatives i need you to do me a favor i need you to beat heather is what she told marcy marcy wasted no time and soon had Heather on the ground, punching her in the face, dragging her down the porch steps by her hair while continuing to beat her. Onlookers cheered her on, shouting, quote, take her to the curb, curb stomp her, end what quote. What the fuck? Mind you, this is because Sh- uh, Sherry had convinced all these people that Heather was at fault. Yeah, that Heather paid this random driver off. Yes, um you know what curb stomping is right yeah i don't know if i should say it isn't it essentially where they like stomp their face slash mouth into the curb yeah yeah Yeah. literally like yeah what it says yeah again teeth i can't do it me either yeah um fortunately for heather marcy uh didn't continue or i'm sorry marcy didn't curb stomp her but she did continue beating her until her face was covered in blood and her nose was like destroyed uh finished she she screamed at her quote that's what you get for messing with my family because you killed punky no you dumb bitch no. you got hit by a car accidentally yeah because he was walking the fucking road yeah um sherry had punky cremated but instead of burying burying him or spreading his ashes she placed the bag of ash on a shelf in her living room uh she added one of his t-shirts 
some of his crip paraphernalia and even had a spot where she could leave him his favorite candy bars. Sherry had made made a reputation around town for herself. Um, I don't know if you know this, but it was not a good one. Um, I I had gathered that. I I just wanted to clarify. Um, she sold meth. She was a bully, a manipulator. Again, path pathological liar. It took very little to get people to do what she wanted, and people often began to refer to her as charles manson only more dangerous yuck so she basically had all these well not all these kids because the four boys were essentially a cult her her little cult as we know punky wasn't sherry's only son at this point she also had zach garth and chuck all three boys had violent streaks i can't imagine why no they were raised (laughs) so weirdly yeah um so she had her boys but sherry wanted another baby girl sherry had begun to pressure her son garth to get his 15 year old girlfriend gina pregnant do we know do we know how old garth is at this point garth did you do do, i think he was 16 or 17 oh okay so it wasn't i was thinking he was like in his 20s or something no they were just both very young yeah um gina eventually did get pregnant and sherry opened her home to her like just doted on her however within months gina realized her mistake sherry was controlling and did not treat gina well when she had in when she had had enough she decided she had to move out before she was able to do so however she miscarried the baby sherry was furious luckily gina was able to flee and she made up with her family and she ended up moving out of state thank god good for her just to literally just to escape this family yeah after the loss of gina's baby sherry hatched a new plan zachary now 13 was friends with 19 year old vera joe regal regal sorry I don't want to like blame or anything like that and I'm not trying to but why is a 19 year old being friends with a 13 year old we're gonna get into it okay after Maria was removed from her custody Sherry had turned her attention to Vera so this was back when back way before, back yeah um often asked asking to spend time with her or even babysit um sherry had grown so insistent that verna eventually had to tell her that vera was her baby not sherry's sherry had hers taken away yeah she needed to back off and you're not getting anywhere near my baby while vera was a good baby she had been born with developmental delays diagnosed with add and having a below average iq as if that wasn't hard enough, when she was 11 years old, she was raped by her father. Oh, my God. It's also important to note that due to her developmental delays, even though she was 19, she had the mental capacity of an 8-year-old. Okay, so now that makes more sense. Yes. 
uh she she was very eager to please easy going uh and this made her ve- very easy to be manipulated yeah and then again she would never develop past the mental maturity of an 8 to 12 year old so they they took advantage of her the Brooks family and the Regal family kept in touch over the years, and by the time Vera was 19, they were only they were living only blocks away from each other. It's important to note that Ver, uh, Vera was living with an aunt at this time because she had been taken away mm-hmm. due to the rape. Sherry encouraged Zach to invite Vera over on a more regular basis. The more time Vera spent with the Brooks family, the more time Sherry had to convince her that she loved her and her own mother didn't she even spread a rumor telling people that vera's mother was dead what the fuck she's a fucking i i i don't know i I would really love to see like a brain scan of this woman and like really know like the psychology behind all this as if that wasn't bad enough, Sherry discovered that due to her disability, Vera received social security disability checks. Well, there you go. That's her efforts only escalated after that. And soon Vera had moved out of her family home and into the Brooks home. All she had to do was sign over her disability checks to Sherry for rent. There you go. There you have it. Living with this new family, Vera wanted to please them. She ended up doing the majority of the cleaning of the house and even found herself taking care of Sherry. Ew. Yeah, get ready for this. Sherry was diabetic and had a lot of pain and issues with her feet. She was overweight and wheelchair bound. One of Verna's tasks, or I'm sorry, one of Vera's tasks was caring for Sherry's feet. Not even in my next lifetime. I want to make that very clear. Keep your fucking feet to yourself. Removing bandages, giving her foot rubs, and then re-bandaging them. If Vera made one wrong move or used too much pressure, Sherry would hit her with um, one of those like wooden back scratcher sticks. Mm-hmm. Just fucking whacked her. Oh my god. I have a mental image of this woman. Am I going to get to see her? Yes. Do you, I'm actually, I'll send it to you now. Okay. Just just so you can really fully get the picture. Yeah. She fucking infuriates me, dude. I just sent it. Okay. That's exactly what I pictured her looking like. <laughs> like, I'm not kidding. <laughs> I pictured more, like, grayish hair. Because I guess just, I was thinking she was older. But that's literally exactly what I pictured. Greasy. Just slimy like i can smell that picture (sighs) about after about a year vera had been cut off from all outside influence her phone was taken away she couldn't visit her family uh sherry told her that her mother wanted nothing to do with her on the occasion vera was out of the house and saw someone she knew she would more or less hide like doing it like a quick wave and rushing by or just not even acknowledging anybody at this point sherry had begun to encourage zach and verna oh my god vera to become a couple 
he was almost 15 and Vera was almost 21. Again, I get I get the developmental delays, but I'm still having a hard time with it. But I, I get that she didn't she she did not understand. She didn't, yeah, she doesn't know. She didn't have anyone. yeah, she you was just being I mean? influenced, yeah. Yeah. And you know, I'm just saying generally speaking, like I don't love it. Like I don't Yeah, no, I agree. Not I mean, obviously not only for that. We're about to get into probably some really gruesome shit, but we're yeah it's zachary was also cognitively challenged and had a personality disorder he was easily manipulated (laughs) that manipulated by (laughs) all right have a good night guys (laughs) sam's going to bed (laughs) he was easily oh my god (laughs) I'm getting my fucking coffee. Hold on. Easy manipulation. <laughs> That's going on a t-shirt. Oh my god, I'm crying. <laughs> Don't look at me, Baker. He's also judging me. Yeah, judging you. <laughs> you fucking can't even talk. Cage. <laughs> Don't play him in his cage. You no, did it. I'm so sorry. I love you. Don't move. <laughs> All right. Try it again. <laughs> Helen, help me. Where, where's Helen when you need him? He was easily manipulated. I thought you're gonna I thought you're gonna mess it up again. If it, if I messed that up again, I would have just immediately just ended this. We'll just pick it up later. <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna be a two-parter, but <laughs> only because I can't read. Yeah. And soon began to show a romantic interest in Vera, who was thrilled. You know, she never had this kind of attention before. Oh, yeah. Uh, Soon after, she became pregnant and Sherry was obsessed. Um, That obsession only grew when Vera found out she was having a baby girl. Oh, no. As her due date approached, Sherry became more possessive and unstable. Vera was nothing more than an incubator for her baby. She wasn't allowed to pick out furniture or clothing. She wasn't allowed to decide anything, including what the baby's name would be. She didn't get to name her own child. No. And just the fucking... Sherry is the shit stain of this world. I i said it i'm just gonna say it okay i mean so far i'm with you uh sherry informed vera that her baby's name would be willa dean now willa dean comes from both sherry's dad charles dean who again raped sherry yeah let's name our kid after a rapist someone else's kid not our kid someone else's kid and it's also a mix of vera's dad willard who raped her what is wrong with sherry i there i i need to know the diagnosis i don't even think there is one for this they're probably i'm sure yeah i'm sure she's never 
done any inner work or seeked any type of psychiatric support. No. Uh, With Willa Dean due in December, Sherry stepped up her plans to take the baby as her own. In September, she told Zach that he needed to give up his parental rights and sign them over to her. And he agreed. Well, he was also how old? Like 15-ish, right? 15, yeah. Towards the end of October, Sherry had another idea. Sherry's birthday was November 3rd, and Willa Dean had to be born on her birthday. When was she due again? December. Oh. Are you familiar with um, castor oil in that old wives' tale? I've heard. Doesn't it help induce? Yeah. So if you're close to your due date or even past your due date, um, one uh, of the midwives' like remedies for this to help induce labor is to take castor oil okay um i don't like where this is going yeah neither do i because as i was i went 10 days past my due date with talon and i could not bring myself to drink castor oil i could not do it yeah i'm sure it's disgusting right it's yeah as with anything there were risks but the dosha dosage was one of them and it's typically about two to four tablespoons to help induce labor Mm -hmm. sherry bought three bottles and on november 3rd mixed them with orange juice and had vera drink it all oh my god three bottles of castor oil compared to two to four tablespoons i wonder what health effects that can have like i wonder if that could harm are we going to get into that Yes. Okay. Vera became incredibly sick and went into labor just as Sherry had hoped. Um, the well, Willa Dean was born six weeks early, but not until November fourth. Good. So, fuck you, Sherry. <laughs> uh, Willa Dean was underweight, had difficulty breathing, and had heart issues. In the documentary. Sherry says, quote, she wanted to come out and have mashed potatoes and pumpkin pie with mama. Stop. I'm internally screaming. It's in the. (laughs) You have to. That quote is exactly what I can picture that the picture, like the photo you sent me. I can I can see that. Yeah. And like photo gives that quote her voice. This is just me being petty at this point because I fucking hate this woman. Her voice makes me want to rip my ears off. Oh, I can't. Throw them away. I'm sure it's very deep and raspy. It's. I don't even. It's. I can't even put it into words. Probably just because I hate this woman so much. I despise her. Yeah. Disgusting. <laughs> pumpkin pie and mashed potatoes with mama. Mashed potatoes. Pumpkin pie with mama. Ugh. hater (laughs) we should we should take mashed potatoes out of her vocabulary because they don't deserve that no and pumpkin pie yeah but how how dare you 
but I'm a potato hoe, potato hoe. I'm a potato hoe as well. <laughs> so any and all forms. Yes. Sherry, <laughs> Sherry maintained control of the baby. She told nurses not to take the baby to Vera, but to keep her in the nursery. She didn't like the nurses to hold Vera, uh, I'm sorry, hold the baby and always told them to put her down. When Ver- when Vera had had her, she was there telling her what to do and what not to do. It's like you had half of your children taken away. Maybe, maybe don't give advice. And also the ones that you didn't get taken away don't sound like they're winners. They're not um, ideal. They're not society's best, it sounds like. Not that I am either, but... Yeah, but like you know uh despite everything vera preserved persevered sorry not preserved uh fighting to be a good mom she was attentive affectionate and spent as much time with willa dean as she was allowed but in sherry's mind willa dean was hers she beat vera or encouraged zach to do so vera was beaten nearly every day she was secluded from everyone in the family but never allowed to leave. If Vera made any move to leave, Sherry threatened Willa Dean's life. Insane. Calls were made to family services on Vera's behalf by people who knew the living situation. Um, There was no running water. They used a bucket in the house for a bathroom. They even had a pig living in the house. That's, I'm not surprised by any of that. Yeah. Based on the photo you sent me, that is not surprising. (laughs) When someone went to the house to question Vera about the abuse or what her life was like, she always lied, told them everything was okay and things were good. But things were far from that. Sherry had taken over Willa Dean. Though Vera was very much in love with Zach, he showed zero interest in her after the fact. He was frequently on, I hate saying this, on the prowl. Ew! (laughs) I know! sounds so grimy. It's very fitting, though. Disgusting. Even posting, even posting on his Facebook quote, "I really need a girl." And ew! Oh my god, I knew. I know so many men like that. <laughs> I know. Yuck! It, that my my fight or flight is activated right now. <laughs> <laughs> she said, "My fight or flight." I have the urge to run, <laughs> and that never happens. <laughs> Panicking! I'm over here sweating because I'm nervous and yeah. I'm reading, <laughs> crying. <laughs> Oh my god where my hug at ha-ha, call JK. my mom ha-ha, call my JK. mom unless <laughs> yuck i'm gonna call my mom mom can you pick me up mom help <laughs> i'm i'm unsafe <laughs> um by the time willa dean was two sherry began to lose interest and wanted another baby she only liked babies for some yeah. reason um, she began to pressure Zach and Garth into getting another girl pregnant, and she didn't want Vera to be the mother. In fact, she didn't want Vera around at all. The beatings escalated, and Sherry decided that Vera was only, quote, allowed to eat leftovers off plates of others that had already eaten. Like, who does Sherry think she is to I allow? I don't know. Sometimes not even that. Uh, One night after three days of being denied any food, Vera was so hungry 
she made a fatal mistake. Though at this time, Punky had been dead for seven months. Sherry Sherry continued to keep his shrine in place, including his favorite snack, a Kit Kat bar. Desperate for food, Vera took the Kit Kat bar and ate it. And there was a witness to that. And it was um, Gina. Do you remember Gina? No. It was... We went through a lot of people so far. I think it was Garth's old girlfriend. Okay. Uh, She made her way back. Gina ended up telling Sherry about this. And Vera was severely punished. She was beaten, left with two black eyes, a broken node, and a multitude of welts and bruises. It's a Kit Kat. It's probably expired by now anyway. Get a new one. Yes. After this, Vera was forced to sleep in a cl- in the closet with the pig, forced to eat unmentionable things like feces, blood, food straight from the garbage. Just horrendous stuff. And at this time... Sherry's cousin, Danny Bixler, and his girlfriend, Nicole Peters, came to stay with them. Do you remember that name? hmm Okay. So it was her cousin's son. Danny had recently gotten out of prison, but already had an active warrant out for his arrest. And he was looking for a place to hide. This sounds like a really good guy. Mm-hmm. While Danny was a hard criminal, Nicole was sadistic and happily joined in on the abuse of Vera. And she always had a smile on her face. Trigger warning. Beating Vera brought them sexual excitement and they would often pause during their abuse to Vera just to have sex. What? Yes. The week of March 20th, Sherry began to joke about killing vera according to her son michael sherry wanted to drug vera with her sleeping pills and zach wanted to get her high on pot mix those two things together and then let her walk on the railroad tracks at night eventually she'd fall over and lay in the middle of the tracks and there would be no no way for the conductor to stop the train in time planning yeah i just want to i just want to Put that out. Premeditated that. Kevin said that if they were actually, I'm sorry, Kevin Sr. said that if they were actually planning to kill her, um, he wanted no part of it and they needed to wait until he was serving his 30 days in jail so he could not be tied to it. Shannon, Michael's wife, added, um, then Sherry said they needed to cut her up and put her on the tracks. Vera was sitting in the same room and Sherry looked over and then waved and smiled and then turned back and started talking about it again. Oh my god. And I mean, I know Vera was developmentally delayed or whatever, whatever you said earlier, Mm -hmm. but I'm sure she was aware of what what they were saying. Yes. Um, A lot of the times while she was being abused, she would she didn't know how to defend herself all she would do was say i'm sorry yeah well sherry's also manipulated her so badly that maybe she probably even 
believed like it was her own fault i'm sure sherry told her like you did this that's why i'm doing this uh gina said quote sherry said if she did get smashed up by the train there would be no way to identify her by fingerprints because she would be like hamburger meat what the fuck on march 20th sherry told zachary that vera was responsible for punky's death telling him and danny that vera was the only one who pushed punky in in front of the car so now it's not heather now it's vera yep who wasn't even with him exactly they had to kill vera to avenge punky's death both zachary and danny were enraged i don't understand how they believed it with so many so many different, different story turns on that story yeah yeah on march 24th huge trigger huge trigger warning honestly if you want to cut this part out you can okay on march 24th sherry instigated a beating and sexual assault on vera with a toothbrush and then made her use that toothbrush oh my god on march 25th vera was noticeably weak she had been beaten and starved and had difficulty walking at this point at some point that day danny and nicole followed vera into a bathroom and stabbed her in the leg according to vera's aunt wanda quote sherry said she took her finger and stuck it in the hole where vera's leg where they stabbed her oh my god in the documentary sherry admits to this and she even does like one of these like this this is the hole she's like my finger went that deep how is she not in jail i don't know if that's the only piece of evidence that they have how how is she not in jail i don't i even if that's the only thing she did like how Uh, again sherry later confirmed this statement when vera begged for food 14 year old chucky brought in a bag of dog feces and forced her to eat it oh my god on march 26th vera endured even more abuse being stabbed repeatedly by danny at some point he handed his knife off to angel which is a family friend and asked her if she if quote she wanted to slice slice on vera or cut her up end quote what the fuck dude um it's not known if she took part of it but she later did report witnessing zach danny and nicole beating her one of the beatings they ended up taking a belt like a leather belt and mm-hmm. you know belts hurt dude yeah that wasn't enough they put a padlock on it oh my god and beat her with that when angel's mother arrived home later that day sherry explained the behavior by saying quote that vera had been mean to one of the Bixler boys, which is again cousins of the Brooks family. Uh, one of the Bixler boys' babies, and that was why she was being beat. Vera just stood there with her head down, waiting for more blows. While all of this was going on, Chucky, Garth, and some of their Bixler cousins got into a fight with another group of kids outside. I shouldn't say kids, teenagers outside. Uh, the police were called, but by the time Uh, law enforcement arrived the fight had broken off and they had no reason to approach the house 
So she was that close. Mm, this is so enraging. The events of that night are unclear. Everyone involved had a different story to tell. Zachary, Danny, and Nicole forced Vera to put on her shoes and take a walk with them. Oh my god, here we go. She kept saying that she didn't want to. And she even asked Scotty if um, he would go with her. I'm going to cry, dude. This is so bad. I I honestly, I might cry towards the end of this. Yeah. Um, Scotty was the only one that kind of really, I don't want to say took care of her. But he was not in on the abuse or anything like that. So initially Scotty had planned on going with them, but when he went upstairs to get her shoes or get his shoes, he was stopped by Zachary and said, you're not going. And at this point, Zach was trying to leave and Sherry said he was not going either because he was not going to be involved in this. So that left Danny and Nicole and Vera. Vera did not want to go. But she didn't have a choice. As she walked out of the home, Sherry said, Good night, Vera. And then Vera said, Good night, sugar babe. Oh my God. <sighs> Trigger warnings. Just prepare yourself. They walked Vera down to the railroad tracks where they continued their earlier abuse by stabbing her relentlessly with a knife that by its time, by this time had become so dull, they had to force her to take her clothes off because the knife would not penetrate the clothes. Oh my God. They stabbed her again and again when she was close to death. She was uh, unable to move or any do anything like that. They had her lay down on the train tracks and left her there to die. And then I also do want to know in the documentary, it's, uh, there was witnesses or um, not witnesses. Um, a few people said that they ended up trying to decapitate her as well, but the knife, they couldn't get the knife through the bone. Oh my God. Um, and they did that because they were going to blame that on the train. So they left her there. Um, they discarded the knife in a nearby lake when the train, when it came time for the train to come through, it did not have time to stop. The conductor thought he saw a deer on the tracks. Um, eventually after he was able to stop the train, he was shocked to find a human body under his train. The space between her body and the bottom of the train was only six inches. However, their plan failed because with her last remaining energy she was able to kind of wiggle her way off the track are you serious yes so she was under the train but not smashed by the train yes okay please question the brooks family and immediately sherry tried to blame the murder on vera's quote black boyfriend Oh my god, dude. Yeah. And obviously this guy did not exist. Just throw that on top of all of this other stuff. Throw that in there too. Yes. 
Upon further investigation, the police were able to find Nicole's bloody shirt, a belt, and even a lock of Vera's hair. The day after Vera's murder, police searched the riverbank and found her clothes. Um, This is the part where I might cry. I'm going to try to get through it. Inside the pocket of her favorite purple hoodie, police found a note which read, quote, <laughs> I'm sorry. I can't do it, dude. I'm going to cry. Says, I love you, Willa Dean. Oh, my God, dude. Ooh, sorry. Give me a second. It says, I love you, Willa Dean. You were a good little baby girl to us. I am glad to be your mommy. And I am glad that I had you on November 4th at 416 a.m. Six pounds, two ounces, 19 inches long mommy loves you oh my god this poor girl oh and i do want to throw in that uh the note has been given to willa dean's adoptive family to give to her sometime in the future when the time is right danny and nicole confessed to the murder and told police that sherry had given vera drugs and talked them into killing her including instructions on how to do it the pair took plea deals and danny was sentenced to 40 years to life for murder and nicole received 23 years for conspiracy how did they not get the death penalty dude how in this case like how did they not get it oh just just wait zachary was charged with obstruction of justice and was sentenced to four years four years Michael was charged with obstruction of justice and sentenced to 30 days in jail with five years probation. Cool. Shannon was charged with obstruction of justice. However, she took a deal in exchange for her cooperation. She received probation. Garth was charged with obstruction of justice, given a fine. A fine. Oh, my God. Um chucky was charged with obstruction of justice during the time of the sentencing he was already serving time in a juvenile detention facility for truancy the judge sentenced him to a rehab program in a juvenile institution out of state with a stipulation that if he did not complete the program they would hold him until his 21st birthday he did complete the program and was released just prior to his 18th birthday Scotty was charged with obstruction of justice and was sentenced to probation. Kevin Brooks Sr. was not charged in the connection with Vera's murder. Sherry was not charged in the connection with Vera's murder. How? How was she not charged? How? I I, I don't know. Uh, the only good outcome of this story is the fact that Willa Dean was taken from Sherry and has since been adopted by a loving family and i i forgot to make a note of this but again the day after they discovered vera sherry had contacted children's services to see how they were going to be able to get zach full custody oh my god yeah um again i've mentioned it before there is a documentary called good night sugar babe 
I have a lot of mixed emotions about this documentary, mainly because of the constant lies. That being said, I will link it in the show notes. But be warned, there's no trigger warnings in the documentary. It goes into gruesome details, a lot of which I could not personally bring myself to include on this episode. Um, it includes interviews with Sherry, Shannon, Gina, Scotty. It's it's a lot. It's a lot. I mean, if you want to know more about this case, it's definitely got a lot of information. But just prepare yourselves. In 2015, Sherry was charged and convicted of drug trafficking. So she is serving jail time for that. Do we know how long? Uh, Probably nothing. I, I don't know, honestly. But yeah, not, nothing compared to what should happen. But again, I have a lot. I have a lot of thoughts on what should happen. I'm going to keep those to myself. Yes. We can discuss those at a later date. But yeah, this was just and this happened in 2011. I don't know if I mentioned that or not. I, I don't remember if you did, but that is. Not a that's lot. not my favorite thing I've ever heard. That's like. Up there with worst yes i've ever heard of and it's how this is so low like local to us and i've never heard of something this gruesome i've never heard of this no wow yeah it's a lot do you feel better now that you got that off your chest because that's all you've been talking about for two weeks yes i do but i I just i don't feel better that you got it off your chest i now it's on my chest so sorry <laughs> it's just there's so much to process with this and it just again you wonder how many how much of this is actually going on yeah. to other people you know what I mean with the way the system is yeah that's absolutely mind-boggling truly well I hope all of Sherry's other kids that got taken away are not doing things like this and are normal members of society yeah and i pray to god willa dean is just thriving yeah i i hope she is wow i i don't even i don't even know what to say i yeah that was really bad it was horrific, dude. I literally, I would like to know why Sherry didn't get charged with anything in that, in that case. Me too. With anything. Me too. Well, do you want to tell your story now and like hopefully lighten the mood a little bit? I will try, but that was, I'm so that's sorry. Gonna, that's going to need a lot of light. I'm sorry. Hopefully so spoiler alert i did some of my notes at 4 (laughs) a.m so they're probably going to be a little silly perfect but yeah i don't know how i don't know if they're going to be silly enough to overcome what we just heard i'm sorry yeah you should be so i am going to cover the barney and betty hill incident have you ever heard of this no 
okay, when I get into it, I feel like it's going to be one of those things that you are familiar with, but it's just going to take like hearing it. Okay. It's, it's super popular. So the year was 1961. Betty and Barney Hill were a somewhat recently married couple who lived in Portsmouth, New Hampshire. Betty worked as a social worker, mainly dealing with child welfare cases, and Barney was a postal worker on the night shift. So they both worked super long hours. Um, so remember, this is the year 1961. Betty and Barney were an interracial couple. Betty was a white woman and Barney was a black man. So this wasn't super common in 1961. So the couple were huge civil rights activists. They belonged to a local chapter of the NAACP. They were super passionate about helping advance the civil rights movement. They also attended and volunteered at a Unitarian Universalist church, which I Googled because I didn't have any clue what that was. And apparently Unitarian Universalism is a liberal religious movement that believes in free and responsible in a free and responsible search for truth and meaning. So that's kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Um, fun fact, if you are into UFC, Betty and Barney Hill are the grandparents of UFC strawweight Angela Hill. Oh, that's kind of interesting. That. I don't know anything about UFC, but I'm sure somebody does. <laughs> so as I said before, Betty and Barney both worked super long hours at their jobs and volunteered. So they didn't have a lot of time for themselves. They had been married for 16 months and had not had time to get away for a honeymoon yet, which is really sad. Like, yeah, take your honeymoon. Um, so finally, in September of 1961, they were both able to take a few days off of work, and they went on an impulsive road trip to Niagara Falls and Montreal. Yeah, I know. Shout out Canada. Shout out. Shout out Canada. Are you listening? <laughs> we know you are. Um, so this was super last minute and spontaneous. They didn't have time to stop at the bank to get money for the trip. They left with $70 cash. And in my notes, I put... They really just said, fuck it, we ball. <laughs> <laughs> this was 4 a.m. me, guys. So stupid. Silly. Silly girl hours. Demon hours. <laughs> they said, fuck it, we ball. So they got in their car for a three-day trip with their dog, who was a dachshund, a.k.a. a wiener dog, Delcy. <laughs> so from... Kind of from what I read, the trip wasn't great. Um, Betty was frustrated by the language barrier up in Canada, which I think is French. French, yes. Yeah, okay, that's what I thought. Um, Barney had a lot of anxiety in general because he was a black black man. It was 1961. Mm-hmm. Um, he was part of an interracial couple. He was with a white woman. Yeah. And that wasn't super common. So he he just felt like uneasy about everything and, you know. I didn't find anywhere that anything happened specifically to make him feel this way. It was just like he felt uneasy. Which, normally anxiety. Yeah. yeah, which I get. Um, but regardless, they were they were happy to get to spend some time together and be together for their honeymoon. So they made the best of everything. So on the last night of the trip, Betty and Barney ate at a diner in Vermont. They left the diner around 10 p.m. and expected to make it back home around like 2 or 3 a.m now i'm gonna let you know right now 
I did some of these notes like at a normal time and then I did some of these notes last night and I jumped around so this might jump around a little bit I'm gonna try to make it as clear as I can but <laughs> I might I might fumble it a little bit so yeah they expected to get back home around 2 3 a.m ish as they drove they noticed a bright light in the sky that seemed like it was following them Betty said it seemed to move from just below the moon and the planet Jupiter up to the west side of the moon. So it was like going up. Mm -hmm. So Betty just like shrugged it off. Like, uh, I put, I put, this is the quote of what I put in my notes. This is what I did last night. Quote, Betty kind of shrugged it off. Like, oh, it's probs just a falling star dot, dot, dot. But it went up question mark. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, that. (laughs) and as they kept driving it seemed to get bigger and bigger and grew brighter so betty and barney were both like super skeptical people like they didn't they didn't believe in all that like nonsense of like paranormal and Mm -hmm. ufos or anything like that they were super super skeptical barney was a world war ii vet and a plane enthusiast so he shrugged it off assuming the light could have been coming from a helicopter plane satellite etc there's lots of things that it could have been so they kept driving um eventually they got to the white mountains in new hampshire through the winding roads trees mountains still they saw the light following sometimes disappearing behind trees reappearing a few minutes later so eventually their curiosity got the better of them and they pulled over at a picnic area to get a better look and walk delcy because he had to do his peas. Um, so they had a pair of binoculars that they shared. And this is when Betty realized this was not a plane or a satellite. But some sort of object spinning in the air. Which she estimated to be about 40 feet long with flash- flashing lights. Barney was still skeptical. But he had no idea what this could be. And he couldn't think of any way to write it off at this point. And Betty said, quote, Barney, if you think that's a satellite or a star, you're being completely ridiculous. Listen to your wife, Barney. Honestly. So the couple got back in their car and continued driving. And then everything just kind of continued as it had been with the light. Um, Until they got about a mile south of Indian Head, the object, craft, whatever this was, rapidly descended. And now appeared to be just 100 feet above them, hovering, and it filled the entirety of their windshield, like their view. Ooh. Yeah. So, she said, the opposite of uppies. Yes. Down. Down. Downies. Put me down. down. You're just throwing, kicking his legs. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Why are you doing this to me? (laughs) So, this freaked Barney out. Um, rightfully so and he immediately stopped the car and got out with his gun and i put love the enthusiasm honey but what is you doing (laughs) (laughs) but really though what is you doing that's relatable though because same (laughs) what are you gonna do shoot the ufo (laughs) (laughs) Uh, why why is it like isn't this like our third or fourth story that men just like go out with guns yeah like what (laughs) what what are men like what are they doing out here i know how i'll fix this i'll shoot it with my gun (laughs) 
okay honey listen girly pop maybe that's not the answer he said girly (laughs) shoddy stop (laughs) shoddy really (laughs) shoddy (laughs) he said when he got out that he saw something as big as a jet and as flat as a pancake there were windows on the craft and he described seeing around like six to ten ish beings in the windows in unison all but one figure moved to what appeared to be a panel on the rear wall of the hallway that encircled the front portion of this aircraft whatever this thing was there the one remaining figure continued to look at barney and communicated a message telling him to stay where you are and keep looking Ooh, yeah Barney had a memory of watching the beings wearing glossy black uniforms and black caps. Red lights on what appeared to be batwing fins began to telescope out of the sides of the craft, and a long structure descended from the bottom of the craft. So I'm thinking like a ramp, something like a ramp. And I just, I have to make this note that I can't help but to feel like they're all wearing combat like platform combat boots yeah they're yeah they're but they're shiny black they are slaying they're slaying so hard i'm sure they are going hard in pleather (laughs) (laughs) absolutely and what's wrong with that (laughs) not a single thing so the craft was silent And it approached to what Barney estimated was like 50 to 80 feet above him. So dropping down still. And then was about 300 feet away from him. This And this is another quote that I did at (laughs) 4am. I put quote. So now he was like, oh shit. And ran back to the car and took off. (laughs) He said, oh, oh. Oh, oh, I'll see my way out. <laughs> so now mom, they're dry. Mom, come pick me up. Mom, <laughs> 911, mom, where are you? So now they're driving again and they hear beeping noises coming from the trunk of their car. They both started to feel drowsy and tingly and went into like a weird kind of daze. The next thing they knew, which they didn't know how long later like how long this days lasted they started hearing the beeps again at their trunk and then they started to become more aware of their surroundings and realized they were now 35 miles south of where they had been betty remembers asking barney so now do you believe in flying saucers to which he answered don't be ridiculous of course not barney (laughs) barney denial is not the answer that's not the answer yeah you're incorrect so when the hills finally got home it was dawn and they felt uneasy both of their watches had stopped working and the watches would never work again it was 5 a.m and they had expected to get home around two to three ish so that was kind of weird betty's dress was torn barney's shoes were scuffed and the leather strap on his binoculars was torn but he had no memory of tearing it Hmm. barney had a strange sense to examine his genitals like just a weird like maybe i should check this out like something's something's weird he didn't find anything unusual 
but they both Betty and Barney just had like strange impulses and feelings that they couldn't explain. Betty, for some reason, insisted that their luggage stay next to the back door instead of in the main part of the house. So just really like weird stuff. Yeah. Both Betty and Barney were weirded out, of course, so they tried to work together and retrace everything that happened the night before. They remembered everything up until they heard the sounds at their trunk, and then everything got fuzzy. They realized there were two hours of the drive that neither of them could remember. So weird. I know. The couple agreed that they weren't going to tell anybody about this because, again, they were very active in the civil rights movement and right. they didn't want to be perceived as like crazy or anything yeah so they went to sleep for a few hours when betty woke up um she went to get their clothes that they had worn out that night she had she had put them in the closet so she now she woke up she went to get them out of the closet and she realized there was pink powder on her dress which she hung up outside she hung the dress up outside on a clothesline and the powder blew away huh. so she decided to hang on to the dress despite it being torn and ruined so then they had breakfast after breakfast betty decided to call her sister janet up and tell her about this whole experience janet wholeheartedly believed betty because janet herself believed she had a ufo experience in the past Ooh. and and Janet and Betty kind of theorized that if the UFO had gotten close to the car, that it might have, the car might have been exposed to radiation. Mm. So Janet reminded Betty that they had had an, an old neighbor who was a physicist. So they were probably just thinking, oh, like he's smart, you know, whatever. So Janet was like, I'll call him and then I'll call you back. So she did. A few minutes later, Janet and Betty were back on the phone. Janet had talked to the old neighbor. And apparently the neighbor said, if something was exposed to radiation, you could use a compass to tell. So you could basically hold the compass up to whatever you suspect had been affected by radiation and that the compass would behave erratically. Hmm. So there were small circles on the car's trunk that weren't there before. So Betty put a compass near the spots. When she did this, the needle on the compass would spin rapidly, and then when she moved it away from those spots into other parts of the car, it would just drop down like normal. Huh. So something was weird with this. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Your notes. Yeah, my notes. So this, I'm gonna read you. I'm gonna read you exactly what I what I typed up last night. <laughs> Betty immediately got Barney and he begrudgingly came and was like, what the fuck? I'm so tired of this bitch right now. <laughs> so Betty made him take the compass out and move it around the car just like she had. Mm -hmm. When he came back, she was like, so? Question mark. And he was like, oh, it was normal, except it might have jumped around at the trunk. Like, I don't know, maybe. <laughs> and... She asked him if he saw the shiny circles on the trunk. And he was like, oh, you know, yeah, something probably just like fell on the trunk and made those. Barney! For me. Stop! Quit. Just let it happen. Just let it happen. So the Hills did end up calling a nearby U.S. Air Force base to report what had happened. 
Um, they talked to this guy again. Barney kept out a lot of the details because he didn't want to like be perceived as crazy. He didn't want to talk about it. Yeah. Um, the investigator was intrigued and told Barney they had gotten similar reports to that of the hills. So other people had reported this. Ooh. Craft. So Barney was still feeling uneasy. Um, he suggested to Betty that they each go to separate rooms and draw what they remembered seeing. Ooh. Both both of their sketches ended up identical. Oh no. Yeah. Barney said. Uh he said, haha, JK. Unless <laughs> he said, uh. <laughs> he said, where my hug at? No, he wouldn't do that. <laughs> So they obviously still wanted to know what happened to them. So Betty started doing research at the local library. She checked out books, spent hours doing her own research about the incident. On October 21st, 1961, Betty and Barney had a six-hour interview with Walter Webb, a Boston astronomer and member of National Investigations Committee on Aerial Phenomena, NICAP. Ooh. So Barney told Webb that he had developed a strange mental block and that he suspected there were some portions of the event that he did not want to remember. So now he's like coming around a little bit. Yeah, he's in maybe, I guess so. Maybe something happened, but don't tell me about it. Yeah. He described in detail all that he could remember about the craft and the appearance of the and this is a quote from Barney, somehow not human figures above it or aboard it. Hmm. So mm, that's weird. I don't like that. Webb concluded that, quote, they were telling the truth and the incident probably occurred exactly as reported, except for some minor uncertainties and technicalities that must be tolerated in any such observations where human judgment is involved. So, like, exact times, lengths, lengths of time, things like that, sizes of objects, like, normal things that humans might mess up. Mm -hmm. Ten days after the incident, Betty would find herself suffering from vivid nightmares. She had a series of the same nightmare for five straight nights. She said that these nightmares were extremely detailed and unlike any dreams she's ever experienced before. After the fifth night, they stopped and she never had them again. Hmm. So she decided to keep a dream journal and write down the dreams. That's a good idea. Some of the dreams, yeah. In one dream, she and Barney encountered a roadblock and a bunch of men, and I put, quote, terrifying next to men. <laughs> <laughs> so stupid <laughs> um yeah they encountered a roadblock and a bunch of men terrifying surrounded their car <laughs> she lost consciousness but struggled to regain it then she realized that she was being forced by two small men terrifying <laughs> to walk in a forest at night and seeing barney walking behind her but when she called to him he seemed to be in a trance or sleepwalking the men stood about five feet, four inches tall, terrifying again. <laughs> I put that in my notes. <laughs> uh, 
so these short kings wore matching blue uniforms. <laughs> <laughs> the short kings. <laughs> with caps similar to those worn by military cadets. They appeared nearly human with black hair, dark eyes, prominent noses, and bluish lips. Their skin was gray. Ew. She and Barney were taken to their car, where the leader suggested that they wait to watch the craft's departure. They did so, and then resumed their drive home. Hmm. So after the UFO incident, like for the next like several months, Barney suffered from anxiety, high blood pressure, and ended up getting an ulcer. Mm. So he started seeing his doctor who recommended therapy. And so he started seeing a therapist, Dr. Duncan Stevens. Um, Barney didn't tell him about the UFO incident at first. And then he ended up mentioning it in passing as like, oh, this happened, but no big deal. Yeah. Type of thing. He saw this therapist for a full year. One day during a session, they got to talking about hypnosis, and Dr. Stevens said it's basically unheard of to have simultaneous hallucination and amnesia. So Barney was, like, trying to gaslight himself into being like, oh, you know, whatever. But the therapist was like, "It's that's really rare. So what Barney saw maybe had some credibility? We don't know. So Dr. Stevens referred him to Dr. Benjamin Simon. So Betty and Barney started seeing Dr. Benjamin Simon, who was a psychiatrist and a neurologist who specialized in hypnosis. Dr. Simon was pretty successful using hypnosis to treat different psychiatric disorders um, for people in the military. He was super experienced. So Betty and Barney were seeing Dr. Simon weekly and they were going in separate sessions. So they were not seeing him together. And through several months worth of sessions and hypnosis, they were able to retrieve quote unquote memories of what had happened that night. I put memories in quotes because hypnosis is kind of controversial. Yeah. Um, Dr. Simon himself says that nothing is settled, nothing is set in stone. They do not have all the answers, but neither Betty nor Barney were psychotic, and their conscious accounts of what they remembered and their hypnosis versions were the same. Basically, that hypnosis is a means to get to what the patient believes is the truth. So it doesn't necessarily have to be like, I guess, factually what happened. But it's what the patient believes happened. Okay. So I have kind of a little summary of each of their sessions. And then I have an account of what they were together able to uncover. So in Betty's sessions under hypnosis, her account was similar to her five dreams about the UFO abduction. With some notable differences, mainly pertaining to her capture and release. Also, the technology on the craft was different. The short men differed significantly in physical appearance, and the sequential order of the abduction differed. Barney and Betty's memories in their hypnosis sessions were consistent with each other. So what they were remembering in hypnosis separately were similar. Barney's sessions under hypnosis, Barney reported that and there, there's like, I don't know if I mentioned already, one of my sources it, sources is the CIA. 
So in this source, it has the basically the transcribed version of the therapy session tapes. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. So I'm going to obviously have everything linked. If you want to go and read that, it's very extensive. I didn't read all of it, and I tried to just summarize a lot of it. Barney reported that the binocular strap broke when he ran from the UFO back to his car. He recalled driving the car away from the UFO. Like, he remembered that. Um, But then afterward, he felt irresistibly compelled to pull off the road and drive into the woods. So that part he did not remember until under hypnosis. He eventually sighted six men standing on the dirt road. The car stalled and three of the men approached the car. Barney described the beings as generally similar to Betty's hypnosis recollection. The beings stared into his eyes with a terrifying, mesmerizing effect. And then I put, wait, is this me? (laughs) (laughs) So stupid. So stupid. (laughs) Under hypnosis, Barney said things like, quote, oh, those eyes, they're there in my brain. So that was from his first hypnosis session and quote i was told to close my eyes because i saw two eyes coming close to mine and i felt like the eyes had pushed into my eyes from his second hypnosis session that's disgusting and quote all i see are these eyes i'm not even afraid that they're not connected to a body they're just there they're just up close to me pressing against my eyes yuck ew while Betty reported a conversation with the quote-unquote leader in English, Barney said that he heard them speaking in a mumbling language that he did not understand. Betty also mentioned this detail. The few times they communicated with him, Barney said it seemed to be thought transference. So he did te- basically telepathic. Oh, okay. He just didn't know the word for it. I was going to say, I don't think I've ever heard that before. Yeah. So what they ended up basically piecing together is, so as the hills were driving, they were being followed by this strange craft. It got closer and closer to their vehicle. We already know that. Mm -hmm. The craft ended up landing on their car as they were driving in the mountains and put them to sleep. So that was the weird days that they went into. Oh, okay. When they woke up that, or I'm sorry, when they awoke after that out of that daze those same gray beings led them up a long ramp and into the ufo which was as wide and as long as their house according to betty once they got inside barney and betty were separated and proceeded to get tested by these beings each of them were asked to undress climb onto a metal table the beings then proceeded to pluck hairs take nail clippings look at their skin under microscopes scrape off like parts of their skin like like dry skin you know yeah they looked into their ears eyes mouths throats teeth etc collecting samples of everything the beings placed each sample onto a glass slide to further examine then the beings probed needles into betty and barney's arms legs and heads betty then had a four to six inch needle inserted into her navel for a pregnancy test she said that it hurt, but then the leader came over, rubs his hand over her eyes, and tells her it'll be okay, and then the pain goes away immediately. Yeah. No. No. Absolutely no. not. That is my belly button. Don't touch it. Don't touch it. 
throughout this whole process, there were some of the beings who were performing these procedures. And then there was the one who was standing and observing like the leader or whatever. Mm -hmm. At one point, Betty was alone with the leader and she asked it where they were from. As she could tell, they weren't from the earth. Yeah. And then through hypnosis, Betty was able to replicate the star map that the leader showed her on the UFO. Wow. Yeah, because he like took her over to like a map and he was like, basically like, here's where we are or whatever. Yeah. Years later, a woman named Marjorie Fish attempted to interpret Betty's reproduction of the map. And this woman was able to conclude that the beings had come from the star system Zeta Reticuli. Ooh. So I just have like a little bit about Zeta Reticuli. So it is a binary star system that can be found in the constellation of Reticulum and is visible in the night sky from the southern hemisphere. Zeta Reticuli can be seen clearly as a double star, even with the naked eye, provided you're viewing it under properly dark skies. The stars orbit a common center of gravity over a period that is likely more than 170,000 Earth years and are thought to be between 1.5 and 3 billion years old wow yeah so eventually so obviously when betty and barney were under hypnosis they were being recorded and at some point they were able to listen back to the tapes in their like conscious state and as they listened to themselves recount everything they started to remember different feelings they had afterward like neck pains and like things like that Mm -hmm. and they were like oh basically like oh that makes sense now So after all this, they went back to their regular lives. They were willing to discuss the UFO encounter with friends, family, and an occasional UFO researcher, but they made no effort to seek publicity on this. I think that's how you know it's real. Yeah. They're not out. Yeah. that's, That's how I feel about it. I believe them. Yeah. On October 25th, 1965, a front page story in the Boston Traveler um basically was titled ufo chiller did they seize couple it was like a uh clickbait kind of thing before Uh clickbait was a thing (laughs) so reporter john luttrell of the traveler had allegedly been given an audio tape recording of the lecture the hills had made in quincy center in late 1963 luttrell learned that the hills had undergone hypnosis with simon he also obtained notes from a conf- from confidential interviews that the Hills had given to UFO investigators. On October 26th, United Press International picked up this story and the Hills earned international attention. So they went viral at this point. But they weren't really trying to. It just kind of right. happened. Yeah. In 1966, writer John G. Fuller secured the cooperation of the Hills and Simon, the Hills and Simon, so the hypnotist guy Mm -hmm. and they all worked together they wrote the book titled the interrupted journey about the case so the book included a copy of betty's sketch of the star map and the book was a quick quick success and went through several printings barney died of a cerebral hemorrhage on february 25th 1969 at age 46 after which Betty went on to become a celebrity in the UFO community. So if you remember, like, Barney didn't really want to, like, talk about it all that much, but Betty kind of did. Yeah. 
so then once he died she was like i'm gonna talk about it yeah she ended up dying of cancer on october 20 or i'm sorry october 17th 2004 at age 85 she never remarried Betty and Barney Hill were the first people to claim that they had been abducted by aliens. The first people to describe aliens as basically like the stereotypical version of like what we think an alien looks like, like what you think of, like the weird big heads, the small yeah. like pointy chins, the typical alien. Um, and of course, just like any UFO encounter or paranormal event, there are skeptics who cast doubt especially in this case where memories uncovered where quote-unquote memories are uncovered using hypnosis but i believe them i do yeah there's a lot of there's a lot of skeptics out there there's people trying to say basically like that they're crazy or here's how they can explain the craft or you know whatever i believe them i do especially for the fact that like they weren't in it for the money you know what i mean barney like barney wanted to forget it ever happened like he didn't even want to talk about it yeah betty was like buddy like we're gonna talk to somebody about this we we have to yeah like we need to know what happened and then barney was having like physical physical symptoms like ulcers right i don't know that that says something to me i think i believe him i do i do too yeah i do want to learn more about that like what was it star the zeta reticuli yeah zeta reticuli i'm gonna have to look into that yeah it's yeah i didn't do a whole lot of research into that but but yeah that's the betty and barney hill incident and now i it does sound familiar yeah it's like one of the most famous ufo abduction stories yeah that's insane yeah isn't it i don't barney poor barney he was like he had his hands full with betty you know you know he did he just wanted to live his like simple little humble life and she was like nah fam we're doing this we have to talk about these short kings these short kings (laughs) (laughs) oh my god so i guess that was a little bit of a relief from your story yes i'm still sad i'm still sad too but you know it's what we do at least i can like go to bed and think about aliens now (laughs) yeah and betty being probed with a needle yeah yeah but speaking of needles i have to tell you about you can cut this part out if you want okay but sadie got flu shots this morning and when i tell you i had to physically put talon in like a chokehold oh my god (laughs) and like he tried to like his leg up to push the nurse back with his foot so i had to take my leg swing it over him and put his leg down <laughs> she gave him a shot he was crying he goes oh wait <laughs> it didn't that is me i'm not kidding that's me <laughs> i started cackling i said i told you yeah it's like nothing you literally work yourself up over it so badly and it's nothing i know poor talon poor buddy <laughs> so funny and then sadie they were both pissed at me sadie she wasn't even she was just there to tag along because it was talon's appointment and they're like do you want to get sadie's done i look over and she's glaring at me before i even turn my head <laughs> well yeah she just watched her brother make this huge scene yeah 
yeah you might as well she just death glared the entire time oh my god did she take it well she cried but i mean i didn't have to choke hold her she stood there she didn't want me touching her yeah she was mad at you she was she wanted you dead she did the last time i got any sort of shot i screamed and then the nurse was like are you okay and i was like yeah i'm sorry i was just scared literally (laughs) like i screamed not not scream scream but like kind of screamed ah yeah like that yeah and she was like oh my gosh are you okay like whatever i was like yeah sorry I panicked. Sorry. I was scared. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, All good right. job. Good job, Talon. I'm glad it wasn't that bad. Yes. Good job, guys. And I'm sorry. Great job. We're so proud of you. And I'm so proud of you, Sam, for telling me that terrible story. Mm-hmm. Are you going to tell me you're proud of me? Yes, I'm so proud of you. <laughs> Gold nice. star. I'm so glad you volunteered that. Thank you so much. You're welcome. And thank you to all of our listeners in the U.S., Canada, and Australia. And everywhere else. We love you guys so much. Yes. If you want to keep up with us, you can follow our social medias. On Instagram, we are Eerie Thoughts with a zero. TikTok, we're eerie.thoughts.pod. Facebook, Eerie Thoughts Podcast. I am on Instagram as Queen Bench with a V instead of a U. Sam is on Instagram as S-A-M-M underscore Storad1415. Send us your eerie stories, episode suggestions, hate mail, fan mail to eeriethoughtspod at gmail.com. Canada and Australia, whoever you are, email us. We want to talk to you. Yes. Just I'm serious. Even, even if it's just. Hi. Hey. Hi from Canada. Hi. Hey. A. <laughs> send it please and uh follow us rate us five stars say nice things to us give us compliments yes yeah do all it's- of that yes yep we love you all bye bitches bye bitches <laughs>